would be remiss if I did not say how God is so marvelously using this choir, all of you, uh, to lead us as a congregation, as a people, the thousands of you who are watching right now, you, you sense the blessing that is being poured out by God through our choir. Uh, so I'm so grateful to all of you, to each of you. We're at the midway point in this sermon series uh, about the 23rd Psalm. I, I'm using this little book. It's, been, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's been around for a while. A shepherd takes a look at Psalm 23. Philip Keller does that. And uh, it's been incredibly helpful as uh, it's uncovering some things about what it means to be a sheep, what it means to be a shepherd uh, in terms of Psalm 23. Uh, I'll share some more about that. Each week we are pairing uh, one verse from the psalm uh, with a gospel lesson, or so with the words of Jesus. I invite you as you're able to stand for today's scripture reading. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And verse 3 says, He restores my soul, and He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many people who take it. But the gate is narrow and the road is hard, that leads to life, and there are few who find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We are exactly halfway through Psalm 23, and so far uh, we have talked about needs versus wants, being fed and being led, and what it means to feed and to lead. Right? Needs, wants, are we willing to be fed and led, and are we willing to feed and to lead others as we take on the shepherding role uh, as part of our baptismal calling? I will confess, as we think about today with the paths of righteousness, I will confess that, that our English translations, they, they split this psalm uh, in a very poor way, in, in my opinion. Uh, if you look at it, it says in verse 3, he restores my soul. Uh, excuse me, he makes me lie down in green pastures, semicolon. He leads me beside the still waters, semicolon. He restores my soul, period. Now, in my mind, that's one continual thought as if to say green pastures, still waters, being led will yield a restored soul. And you know what? Having one's soul restored is so much more than being fed and being hydrated properly. The literal translation means causes my life to return. Causes, you might want to write that in your Bible or in your notes, uh, that it means causes my life to return. So hear it again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He causes my life to return, not through wants, not through anything that this world can provide will one's soul be restored or life be returned. We all have cravings. Those are our carnal wants. We hunger and we thirst for things in this life. But the psalm, it speaks about inner joy and contentment and restoration and peace this psalm, this verse, it's about revival and direction 
something we all need right now in this world of ours, revival and direction, and I think it's coming. I do. This part of the psalm, uh, having one's soul restored, is something I never would have imagined unless uh, a real-life shepherd had pointed it out, but he talks about the flock, Keller does, he talks about the flock, and he talks about a cast sheep, C-A-S-T, a cast sheep. Cast sheep are those sheep that get turned over on their backs and they cannot get up. It's quite a pathetic sight, as I understand, to see a sheep uh, struggling from side to side, flailing, bleeding every now and then, some sound trying to get the shepherd's attention, but just rolling uh, back and forth, hoping a predator will not come and devour it and feast on, on the sheep, hoping that the shepherd will come and return to help it. If the shepherd does not arrive in time, the sheep will die, and not solely because of predators, because a sheep lying on its back for an extended period of time, begins to have circulation problems. Its legs go numb, loses its sense of feeling, you know that tingling feeling when your legs go numb, when the preacher's talking? That feeling, yeah. And its organs shift around, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure placed on its heart, so the heart cannot pump properly. There's a, an enormous amount of weight placed on its chest, and it cannot breathe like it's supposed to breathe. And when the heart ceases to pump, and when the lungs cease to breathe, death is certainly imminent. So the image is one of a sheep, a cast sheep, on its back, helpless. That's why the shepherds are constantly counting the sheep in their flock, because they're always asking, if one of my sheep is missing, chances are it's in trouble. Sheep become cast for a lot of reasons. They overindulge on green pastures, feasting sumptuously. Their long uh, coats at certain times of the year become entangled and hold them up. I think that's why the, the Bible speaks quite vehemently against priests, against ministers, indulging too much and wearing long robes with stoles and tassels because we might become entangled that would adversely affect the flock. But the point is this, being cast away from the shepherd and being cast away from the flock can lead to certain death as life slowly drains from us. Keller tells the story about how during the height of his shepherding career, what he would do is get up before daylight and as the sun began to break, he would, he would step out and he would begin to look for buzzards circling over uh, the field, uh, the open range. And his greatest fear is that one of his sheep had become cast and was in danger. And if he saw the buzzards, he would uh, shed all of the heavy clothes that he had and he would take off sprinting the whole time, wondering, am I too late? Is the sheep okay? He would do that every single morning in case there was one sheep that had gone astray. You know where this is going. This shepherd would leave the warmth of his home and all of the accoutrements, all of the security, all of the safety, the warmth of his own bed. He would get up off his throne and come after one sheep. And when he would reach that cast you. Our impulse, the human impulse, would be to go and just set that sheep up immediately. Yes? 
Let's, let's get her back to life. Let's restore. But that's not the process. The process is the shepherd would, would get down with the sheep and gently ease the sheep over on her side and help her up on her feet. And then in a very tender moment, the shepherd would straddle the sheep and would begin rubbing the sheep's legs one at a time, trying to restore life, restore circulation. It could take a long time, and, and it was really just a trial and error type of thing because the sheep would run off and fall, and the shepherd would have to pick the sheep up again and, and begin the process all over. And, and Keller tells the story about one a specific sheep that was always casting away and casting off and going stray, and, and he would just constantly come and, and pick up that sheep and restore circulation and restore life and bring the sheep back home. He would say, when are you going to learn to stand on your own two feet? But he would follow with this line, I'm so glad I found you. Little by little, sheep regain their equilibrium and their strength. They hear the voice of the shepherd from afar coming for them. I hear you. I'm coming. I'm so glad I found you. Friends, that's what David means when he says, he restores my soul. There's something so profoundly personal, intimate, about God coming for helpless, endangered, lost, wayward, pitiful, cast sheep called human beings to restore circulation, to restore life where life once existed so we can stand up and walk and find our way back home. He restores my soul. God is interested in spiritual respiration, in spiritual circulation, because God is a God who causes life to return. Amen? God causes life to return to places where life ceases to exist, to relationships, to zip codes that are cast, to churches that are cast and on their backs and trying to figure out their way, to denominations and even to entire countries that lose their way. That's a resurrection statement, if there ever was one, that God can cause life to return where life has ceased to exist. Where is the lifeblood needed in your life and in your family, in your community? What has been cut off that the church, the body of Christ, the good shepherd, can go and very gently begin bringing circulation and life where it once existed? There's a, another important part of this whole psalm that I think is worth mentioning, and that is the nature of how we see our shepherd. Because let's face it, every single one of us have had this theology that sort of infiltrated our minds and our hearts and our way of doing and thinking that says, when I find myself on my back and cast and I can't get up and I'm in the muck and the mire of life, whose fault must it be? It must be God's fault. 
or it must be that God is coming to punish me in some kind of way. I hope that you don't hear that kind of image of God from Psalm 23.3 because at no point in the psalm is there a shepherd looking for an endangered sheep and thus coming running for that sheep to turn it over to be punitive or destructive to that sheep. Nor does God ever cast the sheep away. We do it to ourselves. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. You know, the soul is an important part of Scripture. God restores the soul. What is the soul? Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose what? His soul. What does that mean? I don't know. I know in the Hebrew and in the Greek, that word soul It's a little difficult to identify with any certainty, but it's so closely related to the words life and breath and body. And we, we Westerners, we're so empirical. We want to pull all that apart and analyze it. And and instead, it's supposed to be just left together as a way of saying that our humanness is identifiable only by God. That way back when, we read about it in Genesis, God scooped up some dirt in Genesis 2 and went and breathed life into Adam and gave Adam God's own soul. Sin is what separates us from that. And ever since the fall, and every time we separate ourselves from God, The good shepherd is trying desperately, calling desperately, running for us desperately, looking at the skies to know where the marker is, to find all of us cast sheep and to set us upright and to put us on a new path. And I think if God is willing to lead a wretched person like me to green pastures and still waters and to give life back to me, he must care about me a whole lot. And that's not all that shepherds do. They set us up. But then they lead us. That's the, that's the final verse, right? They lead us on this pathway toward righteousness to recover, to recover with the flock. Listen, every single person I've ever met in my life is in some form of recovery. It might not be addiction. It might be grief or financial recovery or anger or heartbreak, a bad home life. Every single person, we're all in recovery. We just need to name it and claim it and say we need the shepherd and we need the flock to get through this thing called life together. So I think that's why the next line is, he restores my soul and he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now that's an important line because getting the flock from point A to point B means that the shepherd is willing to put his reputation on the line. According to Keller, that flock movement is so incredibly important because the shepherd's reputation, his namesake, is riding on all the sheep arriving together. Jesus put his name on the line for us. And we as the body of Christ need to put our names on the line for those who are hurting and cast in our communities. 
all of us throughout this pandemic have been cast at some point, and maybe still are. Maybe, I know there's so many of you watching right now, you can't be in person just yet. And you're trying so hard, and you're trying to just figure, figure out life, but the Good Shepherd is coming. And the church is here, too. We all have to find a way to keep going, to follow where the shepherd, to follow where the shepherd is leading us. Because the shepherd's saying, I will risk everything and find you. I will risk everything and restore you so much that I'll put my reputation, my entire kingdom on the line for you. I think what we have to ask ourselves is, how often do we become cast when we cease to listen to the shepherd and to one another? We don't listen to one another enough. How often do we become cast when we feast instead of fast and give our hearts to God through sacrifice? How often do we become cast when we get tangled up in the thorns of thanklessness or the briars of bitterness or the swamp of selfishness. We say, how did, I, how did I get in this place? How did I ever get here? Why would the good shepherd keep coming after me? We serve a God who hears us crying. We serve a God who knows Seven months has been entirely too long for people to be away from church and one another. We serve a God who knows that communities are so tension-filled right now and complicated. We serve a God who knows that so many of us are cast and trying to figure it out. But I'm here to tell you, God is here to set us up to restore life where it seems like life doesn't exist right now and to set us on a new path. I think that's an image of the church, friends. I think the answers that the world needs come through the church. How does it happen then that God restores the souls today? Are we just supposed to sit here and wait passively? I think there's an active waiting because I think Dr. C, choir, when people find themselves in castaway situations, words aren't enough, so God uses music to restore souls. God uses worship. God uses justice and righteousness to restore souls. God uses the church. Friends, you have to believe me when I tell you that God wants to give life back. However it is we feel the circulation is stopping and the tingling, the numbing is pervading. God wants your soul restored and replenished. No matter the famines or the droughts, snares in which you find yourself to the extent that God will put his reputation on the line to lead us in paths of righteousness. I want to ask us all here today and, and all who are watching to do something for me. Let's, let's put our feet flat on the floor and place our hands 
in a posture of prayer in our laps. And I just want you to listen to this prayer. You might want to whisper it in your mind or to God. And let's, let's just pray together right now. Let's pray. Almighty God, great shepherd, thank you for setting our feet firmly on the right path. Thank you for restoring me to life when I become a cast sheep. Despite all of the noise out there, Lord, help me to listen for your voice in the chambers of my heart. No matter how often I feast on the wrong things or become entangled in life's snares and thorns, and no matter how often I cry out, thank you for searching for me. May I never lose hope that you will find me. In your name we pray. Amen.